Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. It's Daniel from the Waiting List Podcast, joined, of course, by Long Long and Jacqueline. Today, we welcome a longtime fan of the show, Sebastian who is based in my home city of Shanghai. It's a pleasure to have you on, and thanks for supporting the uh, podcast, Seb. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Jack. And hi, Lon Lon. Uh, I know I should say thanks for having me, but really what I'm thinking now is, oh, what am I doing here? Because when you send a link a few minutes ago, the, the Zoom link, uh, it says Sebastian. So oh, I'm going to spend like two hours talking about myself. That I'm so terrified. I know I've been I've been interviewed like professionally about my projects and, and just it's never been like two hours about myself. So I hope I won't bore my audience. But at the same time, I'm terrified because I know, Daniel, you're particularly good at um, like uh, asking questions that would uh, dig out people's innermost thoughts and uh, learn on your sarcastic way of responding and co-hosting. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyway, I've been a fan of the show for almost two years since you started. I listened to most of them. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like uh, whenever I'm like doing housekeeping on my way to work. And um, yeah, it's really yeah, it's good that, uh It's good that you mentioned Jacqueline in there as well. It's very yeah. good, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I think I know Jacqueline in the first place, right? I'm on the three of you, yeah, right? I think so, yeah. And then, but I've never, although we've never met. Yeah. No one's ever met her. She's basically a visual version of ChatGPT. Yeah. <laughs> Are you real? That's the only way I can justify her watch knowledge. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice to listen to Seb talk every time. Uh, when was last time we talked on the phone? It was like a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the the new launch of the, the Richapis. How to pronounce his brother's name? I don't know. That's a that I, I think the last time we that, spoke that. on the phone yeah, was yeah. when I was um still in Canada, but we um I think you sent me voice messages and I sent you voice messages back. But then it's just um, so nice to well, like you're speaking Chinese, uh, English now, but um I really like your like British accent as well. But but then no, every- not really. Daniel is there. I'm the, I really wish I could have the international accent because because it's so it's always mysterious to to make people I mean like uh, perplexed of where you come mm. from, right? And when when I speak Mandarin, nobody will know can tell where I'm from because I yeah. speak this bleached, neutralized accent, which I'm proud of. So <laughs> I really wish, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, you two friends, friends. Wait, but <laughs> Seb always has so much energy. That's why. I, that's why I like about him. Like, yeah, I think so, so, yeah, yeah. You have it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but you said it. <laughs> okay. First question. Right. <clears throat> no. Yeah. Well, I was gonna give Seb a bit of an oh. intro. So Sebastian was born in Shanghai and has spent most of his career to date within the music industry. He also yeah. has been a watch collector for the better half of 10 years. And similar to myself, he now finds his hobby as his profession, being co-partner of Woohoo Time, which is a platform selling vintage watches within China and doing very well, I might add. 
Thank you. To... No, you're welcome. To our <laughs> listeners, this is a two-parter episode where the first episode we discuss life in China, and then later on we discuss Seb's collecting journey. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat. Um, Sebastian, actually, yeah. you know, how does it actually feel, you know, as a fan listening while you're doing your housework to be actually interviewed in the hot seat uh, now? Like I said, I'm I'm terrified. I'm, I I hope my story, my personal story, will will bore my won't bore my audience. And uh, I and also Jacqueline there is certain like uh, she has this like expertise in in watches. I don't know what I have got to say in the second part of this <laughs> episode, but but let's see. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, luckily she's half asleep, so she might be off her game. I, I hope. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so I want to start off talking about Shanghai, and it's you know yeah. one of the largest cities in the world, home to around mm -hmm. you know some thirty-five million people. Yeah. And to put that in perspective, last time I checked, Hong Kong I believe was around seven million, and London was around eight to nine million. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you were a child, I believe it wasn't quite like that. What was Shanghai was like that? back then? I was. I'm the same age like you. I think we were both born in the early '80s. So the time when I grew up in the late, when I had a, like a relatively clear memory of my childhood and adolescence time, and the city's population is always like 11 million around that. Yeah, is the size. And also, I spent six years in the water town, a suburban area of Shanghai called Dujiajiao. Where my parents oh. was a teacher that time, so I moved back to the city at the age of twelve. Um, but at that time, I, I was carrying a, a very distinctive, like suburban accent. But glad I mingled in quickly, and um, it was um, our mutual friend Dave has a saying that um, before the age of twenty, you are kind of hallucinated like an infant because you you don't have a continuous memory of what you did and your storyline of your life and you are not very conscious of the things you do and if, if I recall the life of that time that's just fragments uh, also, um, of images and uh, misty and a bit foggy but um, and it's also the time is a pre-internet era where internet isn't a daily thing probably wasn't didn't isn't part of my life until the age of 18 which is hard to believe and um yeah because um i remember in the school uh being a inquisitive kid i think i would accumulate the questions that occurs to me in my mind i have a notebook to write down that every a few weeks i will go to the library and check for the answers and that is how how I studied the, I mean, without Google. So that was the, the first thing, if you ask what's life about that, that's the first thing I would think of. Yeah. How about like the accessibility around the city? And I remember you saying in the prequel about like Jing'an being like the most West or something. And yeah. I, I believe Pudong didn't exist right then. Is that right? Uh, it's not. It's still like uh, the Hongqiao area, but uh, the 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 majority of the population are sort of crammed in the what's nowadays called Neihuan, the inner circle, the elevated road, and um, everything happened 
inside the city. Because if we want to go on a day trip, it would be Changfeng Gongyuan, which is now literally twenty minutes by cab. But at that time, the 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 like the commute would be like an hour, and it's a place you wouldn't go like just. You wouldn't think of going instantly. It's just a very parochial life. It's like the word cockneys within the church bell of the audible distance of the church bell. So, my life in Shanghai at that time first was in the water town. Then, when I, after I moved back, it was always in the Xuhui district. And、um, if I go on a day trip, it would be either another suburban like tourist attraction within Shanghai, or yeah, a, a random park within the. Like city. So, when you say that's eleven million, would you say most of those were actually local Shanghainese people still? Yeah, I believe so. So the majority. Are, What would you say it's now? We always have the a portion of immigrant workers being the biggest cities city in China, but、um, it's nowhere close to the level of nowadays. So probably I would guess one percent of them, because I remember. Wow. Like,、uh, Yeah, meeting people with different dialects and accents, but uh, not uh, nowadays. You would naturally assume, and the, the 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 you wouldn't speak Shanghainese. Put it this way, with the, with the people in Shanghai you first meet, you would you would use Mandarin because you would assume that she or he wouldn't understand your、uh, the Shanghainese dialect. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and during this time,、um, what was your access to the outside world like to the Western world? Hmm.、Um, like I said, there was a time without internet, so you only have time for limited number of hobbies. My time was in woodcrafting and、uh, finding music, rare and independent music at that time, and playing chess, the, the black and white stone go. So, um. Access the outside world. I think the main incentive is to find、um, interesting music outside China, and、um, there's this TV a radio program once every week on the local radio station, and、uh, which is my my first interaction with the Western rock music, and、uh, then I start as my interest goes,、um, I start to buy smuggled CDs. There's few random dealers in, in, in within the city, and I spend most of my allowance on those CDs. I think, and、um, and with the lyrics, and and you would you would study like same like we collecting watches. You would study the scholarship of the music, which band is better, how many albums they have released, and what's the 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 the, the critics like. You would you would be interested. So that I think that is my first. My initial intact with the Western world. That was in my, I think, fifteen, sixteen-ish. That was the year like nineteen ninety-five. So yeah, sounds prehistoric. It is last century anyway. I've been to your、yeah. home, and you have a pretty, pretty amazing like CD collection. It's actually quite beautiful to see something like that because I haven't seen something like that for a long time. You've got every、yeah. CD there, perfectly aligned, and. Yeah, you know, all the genres there, and it's a lot of CDs you have. You know, it's a lot. Like, I think on the shelf, you there are two thousand, and there's another two or three thousand in my cabinet. I also sold some of them, many of them, 
those I no longer value or listen to. So yeah. So over the years, I've probably bought altogether ten thousand CDs. Rich.、Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So was this something like you say these were smuggled in and stuff? So were they at, sold at a premium? No, no, quite the opposite.、Okay. Discounted. Oh, yeah, they, they were smuggled to China. Yeah, they were smuggled to China because they know there's a niche market, and those CDs are often, often, like um, the the unsold CDs. I don't know for what reason because some it, there's all kind of music in those smuggled CDs. Those unsold CDs they took off from the shelf, from mainstream. You wouldn't believe this is unsold. Like Leonard Cohen. Complete like like a collection or to some really niche indie pop, indie rock albums. But、um, yeah, it's I benefit from the variety. I think hugely, right. And then as you grew up, right, you mentioned in the prequel that you you're very fortunate that your career coincided with China's growth period,、mm-hmm. right. But、uh, as I was like, you know, doing the questions for your interview, I was on this like trying to figure out like why. You know why did it China start there? Was it some kind of legislation or something? Why did it? Ha- why had it not started earlier? Or why didn't it start later? Like why then? I think to answer that question, we will have to dive into very deep historic and、um, political discussion. But to to make the answer simple, I think、um, people have this craving after decades of isolation and being poor and innocent and.、Um, I think we benefit from the both political and economic atmosphere. And at that time, if those, I think I graduated in by the time I left university, I finished my bachelor degree. It was two thousand three. I think the the late nineties or the entire nineties and the entire the first ten years, the first decade of the twenty first century, if it was a part of a music score, it would be a crescendo. It would be a uplifting uplifting tone, and.、Um, I'm just, yeah. The people have this, in、uh, like curiosity. They 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 just craving for, like Western culture. I th- I think that was the, the spirit of the time. I think. Okay, and you benefited that because you traveled around the world, right? Both because I was, yeah, graduate. I was like have spent the the early. Professional years in the, those decades, and also, I'm very grateful for the industry I happened to be by accident. I think joined, which is the music industry.、Um, my main job was to invite inter- international artists and、uh, performance groups to come to China and tour in China, and vice versa to introduce Chinese groups to perform in the European festivals or the American festivals. So, it is because of the nature of that job. I got a chance to travel and interact with the my international like colleagues. Yeah. Okay. So being in the music industry, I think it's pretty well known that China、um, has a very strong control of what is gets aired and what gets you know broadcasted and stuff. How much、mm. control is it?、Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe. Like before the year two thousand eight, or even before two thousand ten, there was very low level of internet censorship or or censorship of any kind. I think um, hmm, it was like nowadays, if you want to present a concert, you have to 
to do this, to go through a, you call this application for permission. And the, the progress will usually take 30 days. You have to, to send the, all the materials, the, the concert program, repertoire, artist biography, audio videos, and the, the pricing of the tickets, marketing plan, poster, everything need to be precisely like uh, applied um, to this like Ministry of Culture. Then you have to wait for like at least 30 days to get an approval and to be able to sell tickets through publicity. And that that is, a, well, that is, a, is, well, really, um, you know, when you want to present a nice program, the, the uh, um, good amount of program, the, the, the easier, the better, right? It's, it's really discouraging, I would say. And uh, that time, I think, I think, um, I think the, the level of censorship stepped up, stepped up after like um, like t 2012, and um, yeah, so in I think um, in includes television, print media, radio, film, theater, text messaging, and it's and 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 I think it's, it's I, I'm really frustrated by the fact um, that we are. And it's part of the reason I, I've left the industry, I think. Right. Yeah. So you'd say generally now, and it, you know, you're talking about an era that was before yeah, it was, it was President Xi. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think I've this, and I also have this awareness, unconscious, like the like self censored of mentioning his name because the censorship is pervasive. Right. But you know, yeah. And in all the everybody like international corporations, they do business in China, and the financial incentive for f financial reasons, they would also have this natural like self censorship. So that that is really, I mean, yeah, mm. that's the thing. Yeah, the thing and the then, thing with you, Sebastian, is that like, you know, you actually um, grew up in China, and and we've just kind of documented that. But then later on. You actually spent, you know, a significant amount of time in the UK, right? Not quite, but briefly. I mean, altogether three or four years. Yeah, right. that's that's a yeah. my life definitely. And uh, I think, um, if adolescence is your the, your formative years, I think I'm quite proud of reinvented myself in those four, three or four or five years. That was in my late twenties, I think, because I I first worked briefly like in Shanghai oh. for five years before I, I go study abroad. Yeah. So with your impression of actually being in England, exactly mm -hmm. what you expected? Well, you've got two different systems there. Yeah. But um, I'm lucky because, like I said, when I started my master's degree in England, I was already 29, so I'm relatively mature. Then other... Chinese students would be. So I've already studied five or six years and I've always been interested in Western culture, music, literature, also like ideology. I think that's the first thing. That's the most important thing. So I didn't feel there's any gap or hurdle for me to mingle in. And um, yeah, I, th I think, of course, there's more facts and informations and they will surprise you 
and uh, you will be and uh, you are not um ready for but um all in all i think i'm quite um happy with those like three or four five three three years in england mm. so would it be fair to say that having like lived in um you know in china and in the west you prefer yeah. the west slightly i'm more leaning towards like uh living in the west not because of the the no like less censorship in terms of what you can get in theater and on internet but also the surroundings the the small the, the tribes will be more like um diversified put in this way you know, different people from different backgrounds be yeah but but it is also interesting you know that you prefer that but you're you're still in china aren't you like... well well that's all life right you, you so i have my family liability my um my parents are entering their 70s and one of them is in the the remission period of cancer uh got to be here i want to be here as well and also um you mentioned this my new career at uhu time i've been enjoying it so far so i don't think i can get this kind of chance immediately if i was in the uk or elsewhere outside china okay so but, uh, i would i would definitely try move somewhere else at um certain age of my life yeah so you mentioned woohoo time which is um a platform which i mentioned that um does like vintage watches um yeah. so you're doing really well in the music industry like you kind of hinted to it that the atmosphere but it was that this you know i'm sure because you mentioned that the atmosphere started to change quite early you know when we're in 2023 now and yeah. um you started saying maybe the atmosphere started changing like 2010 12 right so yeah. what made you like pack it in you know i mean stay in the my previous industry for so long <laughs> is that the no question? no well not why you stayed in it so long why did you not yeah. keep being in it like what made you ah ah yeah quit mm. i think covid is the the main reason because you would always be mm, like I, I wouldn't be that confident to just to, to like uh, cut my career a career i've been spending 15 years mm. or more than that and um you would you would assume that um if if i'm still working i would um, use my expertise and i would i would be better in the same industry so yeah but uh, the covid kind of smashed the whole industry there's no like a uh, visiting artist and the, the, there's no like local performance anymore it's it's the the film industry and the theater business and also probably the commercial airlines that um, was smashed like the the most um, during those the past three two or three years so i've got no other choice i i spent the whole year of 2021 staying in my Shanghai flat thinking of what to do next and waiting for the, the entire pandemic to finish and um, at the same time sourcing watches for fun so that was the okay yeah. so you're one of those people that is responsible for pushing the market prices up during that those those strange two years wow wow we are <laughs> nice <laughs> ask Jacqueline <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh, I'm... right 
Um, one thing you mentioned previously, which was um, you brought in a lot of like um, foreign performances into China. Yeah. So the question I get a lot, and I get a lot of people approaching me about this, is about entering the China market. Like honestly, yeah. I, it's such a common common thing. Um, yeah. But what do you think, in your opinion, like brands and companies that are so desperate to come into China, what they need? What do they need to be best aware of? You mean what brands in general or watch brands? or? Uh, we can say brands in general and then we can sp brands in say general. specifically yeah, watch brands. Um, I, I'm, I'm not that confident to answer the question, but um, I think to answer the question wisely, you first need to understand the, the international market, the, the other side of the, the Chinese market, how are the those brands operating in the western world but um but the chinese market has always been very like price driven in the in the watch industry for instance the pre-owned markets has always been um slightly cheaper or five or ten percent cheaper if you check with the, uh, the the international dealers so and you need to be aware of this of the running cost under the product under the, the cost and people are very um, cost sensitive and the, the other thing is to not to stereotype what Chinese market is because of the massive population and there's always even the niche interest you can find enough people if you really like present yourself well and professional enough especially in the big cities and you can always find it to do business in, 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 the, in the niche market but and if you don't do it well it's probably because you haven't done it right away. It's not because there's no market there. That's okay. my initial thought, I think. Okay. And um, talking about watch brands, you know, a lot of the watch brands are so, you know, they want to capture like the younger generation, you know, yeah. of watch collectors. How is the younger generation's mentality different to, let's say, older generation like, like, like me or you? <laughs> like I don't want to make it sound like an old man, but are, are people yeah. really really differentiated by ages or generations? Because I, I see different tastes and approach in different generations and in younger generations as well. I think here when you say younger generation, you mean like tastes like us. They have the old soul. They would uh, like slightly more leaning towards vintage watches. Is that so? Or well, yeah. I mean, there are people. I mean, I've been to your store a few times, and there's definitely. You know, the people that I've seen come in, they are very quite quite young, right? And there seems to be a, a very healthy appetite. Um, yeah. And obviously, we have Jacqueline here, is like just a baby, and then she's like such an old soul collecting all these pieces. But I'm just not sure that is like, yeah, like the majority. I I I I would think it's not, but I'm I'm not exactly sure. So what was the question again about the younger generation? Sorry. I'm yeah, like I wanted to know, like, what did you think of the Chinese young generation's mentality? Yeah, I'm impressed the with their, their ability to, to dive into the scholarship of the watches and yeah. of the things they like. And um, yeah, I'm also very happy. I think it's a contribution they, they did, they, they're doing to the, to the entire community. What we lack of is the the people who are able to communicating to observe what's happening outside China. I mean, in the older generation, because of the 
the way the habit they they absorb they 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 they, they yeah they 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 buy and study the watches they usually through these Chinese medias or forums, but the younger generation they are capable of um, using VPN and uh, communicating with the international tribe, and that's that's also make the rest of the world aware there's a like a tribe within this country, not just um, the new watches, modern watches, because we Chinese seems to have a wobbly reputation of um, obsessed with new stuff and uh, wealthy stuff. So I think yeah. it's, uh, it's a good yeah, image of this younger generation. There, there's been a, well, kind of like a stereotype. And it, I guess, you know, that Chinese people, they don't like secondhand goods. Yeah. Is that general, yes. to be true? Yeah, if you if you if we speak of proportion, if the entire market is ten, a nine nine or nine point five people would um, tend to would prefer like new watches, and that's certainly much higher than elsewhere. They're a mature market, but um, think, like yeah. or like if the if you think of the the size of the population, so yeah, this it's not that difficult to find the the find your tribe. Do you think that? That is the reason why you mentioned there's like a ten percent difference on the secondary market. I think so. There's a lot of new money going on, and there's enough amount of like modern watches, pre-owned modern watches, and um, yeah, so it's easier to get, and people are yes, it's buyer's market basically. Okay. I think, yeah. Right. Well, that's our little chat about China. I enjoyed that very much. So. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you about that, Sebastian, and today's no different. Um, thank you for sharing your viewpoints and, and being so honest, but it is time to flip the table and hear what questions you have for us. So please shoot away. Questions about China uh, or what? No, no, no. About I, you can ask us anything. Oh, Just reverse okay. her questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have three questions to each one of you. And it seems like don't know London very well in person because Jacqueline and Daniel we have talked various times before the, this podcast, and um, if 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 you can only keep three watches, I mean within your current watch knowledge or the the in terms of accessibility of affordability, what are the three watches you want to have and a three watch collection basically the question. Yeah. That's that's really hard, but at the same time, it's not hard because mm -hmm. I feel like I have to be logical. So just based on, um, I always envision myself like when you're 60 or when you're in your 40s, like what are you going to need? Definitely one dress watch, one sports watch, and then one um, whatever, <laughs> like daily beater, right? Uh -huh. So, um, oh. This is hard, actually. <laughs> no model was mentioning. It was just that's very general. Uh, <laughs> All right, um, Seb, chill out. No, because in, the, in, in the question. beginning, I was like, "Oh, it's Not easy." <laughs> but then now I'm literally thinking. Imagine I had two. to. It doesn't have to fill in the three slot. <laughs> yeah, because I was actually thinking. Imagine I had to go physically go and sell them next week. What would my life be like? <laughs> it's probably the same, but I just feel really depressed, like thinking about it. Um, okay, based on 
what I think. Like my daily beater actually is my gold AP. It, like I've still it's the first wash I bought when I came to Hong Kong and I still don't get sick of it. So I'll keep one, which is like a daily beater. Um, mm -hmm. And then one dress watch, which I think would be the datograph and then one um, sports watch. So maybe like a Richard Mill. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Which gold AP are you talking about? You got two. You got two. The moon face one, because I think ah, it's thinner and it's uh, it's just classic. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's they, what I would do. AP is right. hard to beat. AP, you know, yeah. the integrated bracelet, that kind of stuff. You, 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 yeah, yeah. Yes, it's my way of understanding a person in the first place, like from the watch they they pick, and um, in terms of the but but all the all the watches you're you're choosing are the or strictly speaking, male collectors pieces. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, like recently, yeah. I don't know how, I think it's from Instagram. Uh, I, I like, I've always looked at male, like watches made for men, but recently I thought, you know what? Um, it's time to look at very, very, very feminine watches. So I was even looking at like watches I would never even consider, like Piaget. Um, they do these like, um, tiger eye it's mm. actually just a Stone very simple, yeah Stone like and they do a lot of really cool dials uh they're very plain but i always just thought you know what what if i just change like shifted my direction completely what would happen mm -hmm. um yeah so i'm trying to now look at stuff i would never even consider never yeah okay well Piaget is having their, I think, 150-year anniversary next year. So let's see what they will yeah. put out on the market. I'm curious, since you mentioned that. Okay, interesting. Uh, my on, next Seb, 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 before you go yeah, move on, yeah, yeah. Right, you, said that, yeah. you said that you like to ask that question because it, it allows you to gauge a person. So from that answer, what do you learn yeah. about Long Long in Europe? You know, what do you learn about her? Huh. I think um, it's very cautious of the um of the the, the pieces he uh, she choose both in terms of the long term value i think and also the um i think as it could be i think it's, it's very a little bit conservative put in this way <laughs> you want to yeah, yeah it, 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 in a neutral neutral sense i mean because the the pieces later on when you ask me because all the pieces I'm keeping up it, it's uh, similar to that because I'm a longer lover and um, yeah so yeah I actually think these pieces are all going down in price <laughs> like I think it's if good you time to buy in right yeah huh no, I, it, I actually think like... they're all losing price because all of these pieces kind of peaked about two years ago yeah. So I if I wanted to keep something which I think will be insanely uh worth something, I think just keep the paddock world time until I'm really old. And then maybe the dial would have changed by then and like That's it will be special. Yeah. Which model of Patek world 50, time? 52. 52. Wouldn't yeah. be I don't think it will. I don't think it'll be like a worn out. But then it's just that um, if you could keep it for a super long time, and hopefully yeah. they come up with something else, like they change the map completely, or they change the way the map is drawn, or I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. And um, okay. 
Uh, my next question is to Jacqueline. Um, since what you mentioned is um, you've been a collector. I mean, you, you you've been so famous among this international and the, the international like uh, collectors tribe, and about your your collection. But uh, is there any um, is there, is 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 there a watch that would only attract female? Name a model, female collectors, and then at the same time, it has a scholarship around it and has a performed well in terms of secondary value and um wow. yes it's like reaching that collectible status you asked a lot <laughs> like, yeah that's a tough question I'm basically i'm asking a model has yeah. scholarship has secondary <laughs> value <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 Seb, your I'm question thinking, hopefully is like you, that to me. As a female collector, because you, 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 everyone's so like, like, like impressed with your collection. Um, but I am trying to find a watch that um, uh, that will only attract female. That 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 the male collectors wouldn't be able to understand why this, for instance, your Brigade, but it's still a like a unisex watch. But is there um, and I don't how. How is your aesthetics or collecting, like ethos, like forged? That that is basically my question. Is or is 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 the is the model that you can think of that only female collectors will be interested, and you think is still worth collecting? Yeah. So that is the question. That not influenced by our like male collectors. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that you're even thinking because all the pieces recently I feel like are like very very feminine actually. Like oh, the thing okay. you mentioned, like the thing Lalong just mentioned, the Piaget stone dial from the sixties or seventies, right? Because they are really that, like as a ladies' piece. I see, like I, I, I can see men and women wearing it. Yeah. Um, Character well, over gender. I think, I think maybe the one I'm wearing right now, which is, which is the, but it's a Cartier. Like, but Cartier is. Yeah, like like I said, it's protected by male collectors. It's value, or yeah. Or, so that's why I didn't want. It sounds like a female, like 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 male chauvinist. I know. I'm sorry if I ever give you guys that impression. But what I'm really thinking is, yeah, I really wish. I I think it will, it will, um, there will be a trend that um, more and more female collectors they buy watches for themselves and they gather together. They study the scholarship. That's what I want to see. I um, I don't want to like uh yeah. like put your answer in there, but I was pretty impressed with like um Richard Mill actually, <laughs> like the ladies' yeah. collection that they've just released. I I actually think that Jack's Richard Mill. I know a lot of guys would die to have it, right? But yeah, I I hope I don't offend anyone. I think that watch looks terrible on guys. Like, yeah, that's what I want to. Yeah. What do what do oh. female decks look on? What's your view on those Richard Mill? Yeah. Well, first, I love it. I've always been like since day one, like love Richard Mills to death, right? Um, but I think I really think the female Richard Mills just don't look good on guys. Like a lot of the other pieces uh, from other brands, even the lunge, the tiny lunge ones, right? Uh, the the small lunge or the little lunge ones look good on men. Like just the Richard Mill female watches, just they should just like men shouldn't wear them. I think. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I happen to have one. Let me see. <laughs> so, me. so the Richard Mill. So the yeah. Richard Mill is um the one I have. Like also when I when I first 
got it and, and, and posted it. a lot of people were asking me oh like that but that's the one that Pharrell was wearing right so it's a it's in the men's collection I said no actually um it like it's it's in the ladies collection that the designer designed it in in ladies uh the ladies collection but Pharrell wore mm -hmm. it like because the size is very unisex it's very very long um yeah it's like even longer than the 67 um so that's why people were saying they had never seen it before um mm -hmm. but i don't i i wouldn't say that like i think yes richard mill ladies collection is doing a really good job but i was gonna say like yeah what well i was thinking what long was saying right like the obscure vintage mm -hmm. packs or the smaller cartiers maybe those just because guys would never be able to wear them because they're so yeah the ones with the integrated bracelets they're so short in length mm -hmm. and i don't mm -hmm. think most guys can 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 uh, wear it but also mm -hmm. from a collecting scholarship perspective um you know you can find pieces that have um famous designers behind the the piece and also because it's that um it has a niche market and i don't think well those pieces aren't expensive to start off with but mm -hmm. i don't think they will lose value i think mm -hmm. because they're vintage everything is just relatively safe right so maybe mm -hmm. those like really obscure um vintage pieces from like the 60s 70s with really art deco design that's reminiscent of the 20s and 30s um mm -hmm. really nice oh but the one being it's really like well crafted and made if the quality is nice yeah something mm -hmm. like that sorry Seb I didn't give you a specific answer it's kind of like a job. I think about this from got got your opinion yeah yeah mm. I'm just thinking to the to the question again, right? But and you kind of mentioned vintage Cartier. I sometimes think, you know, vintage Cartier. If you really, I know you said like male, but the thing is that I sometimes think the Cartiers look much better on ladies. You know, the vintage stuff when they when I see a lady wearing, I I think it looks better than a man wearing it personally. A lot of the shapes, I think you can yeah. see the motive are designed for ladies. I think. Even though the current CEOs emphasizing character over gender, which I think is very aptly put on, on the brand, but um, yeah, you're right. I think I believe some of the shapes are originally yeah. designed generally for yeah. ladies only. It's not like I feel yeah. like a, it's the question: Can a guy pull it off? You know what yeah. I mean. But when I see a lady, I, there's no problem. You know what I mean. But but but, but you you yeah. see there, there'll be more. I'll be more interested to see that uh, the female collector came up with a more scholarship and telling on why this is worse of significant like historical value or there's more storyline or different models along the years that that's I would be more interested to to be able to to see like um, things like this well, let's, like put, let's, just, let's just put that let's put that a little bit further yeah. right why does it have to be separated into ladies and men? Why does um, it? Why does it have to be separate? Why can't like, as seen in vintage watches, you know, like right now, yeah. mm -hmm. those vintage watches made like fifty years ago, or whatever. Well, it's because suitable the for men and women, aren't they? Yeah, 
for like Dennis, because of the job you're currently doing, Philips, every single watch they put on the market, I think most of them, they the, the their performance are heavily influenced by what's male collector view on them, right? You, yeah. Yeah, they were, well I think that was the reason. It's just that it's just that currently the market is, you know, such it's a probably a, a male dominated kind of uh, market. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. But I, I have to say it like I find some of vintage cartiers looking even better on guys. That's just my that's just what I I agree. I, I came up with, with this question spontaneously because Lana mentioned this Piaget stone dial because that um I rem reminds me because I'm fascinated with these the 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 the, the their 60s 70s because when we yeah. think of Piaget nowadays, we think of their ultra thin movement. Yeah. And uh, ladies watch, but we don't know that uh, the stone dial they invented the the, the aesthetics basically, and it wasn't until like seventies. The then later on, I think Vacheron Constantin and um, and the Rolex they had their stone dials in the seventies after Piaget. So, but people tend to forget is Piaget started that, and at that time they are only designed for female. I'm just kind. Of, it's kind of, it's a bit shame that um, that the Piaget didn't continue that uh, collection or made it more prominent to the that watch collector yeah, I've looked at those yeah. I, I think they're yeah. like so classy and they have but this I, I'll be reluctant to put that on my on my wrist but I just oh, it's just know. so classy on its own and I'm I'm just I want yeah probably yeah one day maybe they'll become super collectible or there'll be many female yeah. collectors around them i don't know it's, but probably i'm the only i'm always thinking from my own perspective as a male collector but yeah that that is my yeah a, a random question for for jacqueline mm. okay if, if it sounded anything offensive i'm sorry but it's just my thinking of the scholarship around of female only watches does that thing exist it exists yeah. I, it, exists. it exists. it's just i don't know many female collectors that uh i'm not saying like it's a good or bad thing it's just me personally i talk with more male collectors and therefore maybe there's a lack of knowledge in that sense like i i know they exist i just don't uh -huh. know who to like i can't reference anybody okay. um yeah. yeah well i'll send you some profiles after all. Yeah, I, I'll I'll do some further study myself before we really put on any blunt like conclusion myself. Anyway, so <laughs> my last question is um yeah I need to think of it um Daniel um yes you are working for Philips yeah and before that you were um, you were a dentist right correct and yeah you you mentioned that um you think you view watch collecting as your lifetime passion and you probably mm -hmm. will be industry for for quite a while. Um, and you, mm -hmm. so what if, if one day you become independent um what would you do are, are we allowed to discuss this on it because uh, your colleagues will be listening to us <laughs> i mean tell them <laughs> i don't think that this is a podcast way. Okay. no yeah. it's good they need a reason to fire him but they just can't think of one right now <laughs> you know what right long long stays quiet yeah. for the whole podcast but if there's any chance to rip me or or you don't know, do the uh colloquial like nudge in the ribs she just like straight on it like she is on the podcast just that for that is right so um yeah what was the question like if i ever become well, independent 
What's the question? Um, what will you do about? I mean, as a like a what kind of startup would you?、Hmm. Well, what your, your what's your interest on which aspect? What kind of watches? What kind of business model? Or is it media or trade or or, or community okay, building? Well, okay. So I'm going to talk a bit in like idealistic way. Okay, idealistic、yeah. way.、Um, I would like to、uh, disseminate more knowledge, or as you say, the scholarship around watches, and try and、uh, bring to life and make it more accessible. The journey that I've had through watches and what what watches has given to me as an individual,、mm-hmm. right?、Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually far away from、um, investment value or whether a watch is going to hold value, anything like that, or an asset.、Um, just you know, I've enjoyed. I think a lot of us here have enjoyed researching, finding、mm-hmm. the information about watches, trying to retain that knowledge, seeing the pieces.、Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the final link is always the people, you know. Yeah. Striking the friendships, and、uh, I'm thankful. You know, a lot of these relationships with like the two girls here, they su- <laughs> that's actually surpassed watches. You know, watches were was the entry, and then subsequently,、mm-hmm. you know, we have a beautiful friendship. Um, but、so、then I'm also realistic. Are answer. Yeah. Once. The- no, no. I'm、Sorry? also realistic. In the fact、yeah. that I know that that is not really sustainable. That is something that I would want to do, but I can't see where you'd make money from it, right? Yeah, and the sharp the sharp end of the business in watches is always selling watches. So you know, there's no marketing budget without you selling a watch, right? True. It's all geared about selling a watch, um, and、uh, I guess. It would be perhaps to have my own store selling kind of like stuff that you know interests me, which is neo vintage and probably before, you know,、mm-hmm. providing I have the knowledge and know how to assess these pieces and and、um, service the, the customers、yeah. that are interested in these kind of things.、Um, it's not that you know modern pieces. I guess my my interest you know is just waned.、Mm-hmm. I think. I think all of us here, you know, with given the opportunity to go to Watches and Wonders, we're like, well, who would we go and see? You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and in, with new pieces, the scholarship isn't really that deep because all the info、yeah. it's right there and there. Yes,、yeah, hasn't、um, settled.、Um, yeah, and so I wouldn't be. And there's so many people that do new watches, right?、Mm-hmm. So, uh, because the. Yeah, the 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 market. Is well, the brands do it. The brands、so、do it、bigger. directly anyway, right? Yeah, and it's not something I would want to do in terms of distribution.、Um, mm-hmm. So, somehow combining, continuing combining my knowledge, but more definitely the educational side has always been of interest of me, you know, mm-hmm, to, to to do. So something something like something like that, and, and if you、okay. could do it with like your friends and. That would be even better. Imagine going to work and just like talking about watches, and then going for coffee, and not even necessarily talking about watches, but just hanging out with your friends. Like that's just so cool. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm. Philip's not your friends. <laughs> God, Long Long is so trying to get me fired. <laughs> like, 
I like that answer. Uh, the, the reason why you're not at Philips Online is because you're not my friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is also why I'm avoiding Philips. Um, I'll communicate with you when I'm at Solid Beats. <laughs> Uh, and um, I at Christie's. <laughs> yeah, and then that's we'll right. still have this podcast. Yeah. And, then, and then we'll just. Daniel, I've, I, I've got to say, what I like you is the um, you've always more interested in people than you're interested in what is, but you're equally interested in the, in the people from the podcast I've been following along the way. And um, you. You you tend to not to focus too much about your watch collection, but at the same time you you're still very passionate about seeing new watches. Every time you come to my place to to who time, you'll be so inquisitive of knowing the piece you haven't seen, and uh, the yeah. and also and also that you're people oriented. That's what I and really admire. I think. Oh, that, 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 yeah, yeah you, I really like that. Yeah, yeah you've yeah. got good eyes. Um, to be fair, like my my watch collection isn't anything to like write home about. That's number one. And then number two, I've always experienced all these watches because other people were gracious enough to let me experience those watches, right? Okay. And um, my scholarship, my learning is is you know is down to a lot of people, actually. I can't wait to see you go independent. I mean, <laughs> all right, okay, chill yeah. out. Okay, wait. everybody, just chill out on this podcast, okay? Okay. okay. Like... Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, right, that's done. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to the pump push around now, Seb. So yeah. I hope you're ready. Okay. Yeah. So you graduated in Chinese literature and language, yeah. right? And I believe yeah. you also collect books. I, I love. Yeah. By the way, I love the way you 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 your your home. You see these there, and and then you've got like your books there. It's yeah. just such a heart, just so nostalgic to me, actually. Uh-huh. Anyway. Thank you collect you. books. Name a book that one should read in Chinese literature, a must-read from Chinese literature. Uh, Shen, uh, a, a writer called Shen Tongwen, and the name of the book is Bianchen. It's basically writes about the wilderness of China in the early 20th century. And, um, and, and I think he has this um, ability of writing I mean, using Chinese language as its best that you have to read. And um, I can't say more about that. It's a very short, probably only like 20,000, 30,000 words. So it's really worth investing your time. Yeah. I thought you were going to say 20,000 pages. I was like, I was like no, that's, that's not even the book. Come on. I was like, I was yeah. like this next level Chinese student. We've got two of them yeah. now. Jacqueline and Seb. Right. Um, yeah. Number two. Name another book, but in English literature. Yeah. A must read from English literature. Must read. I mean, yeah. I can only say, because to say must read, you have to, you ought to have a much bigger picture of what English literature is about. The thing that I'm currently reading and um, I'm fascinated is the a, a play by uh, Alan Bennett called Smut. And there's two stories of it. And um, the reason I pick up that book is um, um, there's um, a play, a famous, more, much more famous play um, I love the most called The History Boys. It's basically the British oh, yeah. version of the Despoir Society as telling how people should be, um, should learn in their adolescence time and in, to be more vocational or to be a more rounded human being. It's the, the, the way, it's, I mean, 
we don't want to be told what's right or wrong, but it's the way he writes, the, the little, the, the language, the, the elegance of the language, the gobbets put in this way, if there's the, the extract of parts um, that really interests me. And um, it, yeah, it's an English book. And also any book that, because um, I studied political science as well, that uh, Christoph Hitchens wrote, this this atheist and um, and yeah, if that name rings the bell, okay. he, he's the famous. He's the writer of that famous, like God is not great. If that rings the bell, I um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah. I'm really curious about something. Like you yeah. articulate really well in both English and Mandarin. Well, you haven't really spoken Mandarin, but obviously you're fluent, right? Um, my mother, find, yeah. yeah. So do you find it? Like, which language do you think is, I wouldn't say better, but I know what you want to say. That is deeper, right? That you can, because you know, when you t- talk to people about French, they will tell you, like, they, there's like yeah. six ways to express one thing. But you know, with yeah. Chinese words, it's actually one word has so many meanings, it's actually very deep. So, okay. wh- which one do you think is more powerful? I can use my mother tongue much better than English, and that is I enjoyed writing in Chinese. And but I would say my answer is going to be diplomatic because they are equally beautiful to me. And um, but uh, scientifically speaking, I think English is a more informed language because this everything will be translated into English or be checked and cross-checked. So I, I find it more efficient and accurate if I want to say on write a thing in English. Whereas in Chinese, there's so many vague or euphemistic ways of expressing in English equally the same. But um in the end is you there's there's a requirement of accuracy there. And probably Mandarin is only a hundred years old. It's a it's a it's a it's a man-made. It's like artificial language. And I often find there's no Adjective or compound adjective. I have to use com- compound adjective all the time in Mandarin because those emotions ex- exist in my dialects. I can't find a single word in Mandarin. So it's a young language, actually. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting answer, Sebastian. I've never thought of it like that. I've always stood on like what Long Long kind of felt and just been just confused. What, right? what, what, what is, what is Long Long? Because you, you read and speak Chinese as well as you right what is no, your so my, my uh my mother tongue is actually English so I yeah. always feel that uh I'm missing out on a lot in terms of what I can like what I can read in this world because there's obviously a lot of great Chinese literature right so I mm-hmm. feel like I'm confined to like what's available what's I've tried to read a lot of like Asian work but that's translated into English and I just think there's no way you can capture a lot of the nuances and what the actual author is trying to write. Mm-hmm. So that's what I find really sad. Yeah. Is it a, a compulsory course, like a second language you have to study, like French? Yeah, or... so I studied French. And then I feel like at home, because you use the things that you talk about with your parents and like extended family, it will never yeah. go so deep that you're talking literature, right? So mm-hmm. it's always in this context and then it's in work context. Mm. Yeah. Right, Seb, I'm going to move on. Yeah. The next question is actually still related. What is then your favorite genre of writing? 
Famous genre of writing. I think、um, I like academic writing, essay, because I like the more the older I get, and、um, the more I like accuracy and efficiency. It sounds does I don't sound like literature people because I mean,、um, because emotions are very personal unless you are born with a gift to express it. Otherwise, don't bother others and、um, to read your. Like、uh, personal, like、uh, <laughs> like nuances, and、um, yeah. So I like I like、um, uh, academic writing. I like read like Wikipedia, and、um, well, I like philosophy, but、uh, I don't like metaphysical philosophy. I prefer political philosophy over than that. Put in this way, and、um, I prefer political essay than literature nowadays. When it comes to literature, it has to be. Really unique and、uh, smart. Then I will enjoy the most, but not many out there. I have to say, I'm very picky. So yeah. Okay. If you yeah yeah. Okay. Next one, bringing back the spirit of Alex Lau. What is your favorite quote? Who's <laughs> Alex Lau? <laughs> <laughs> Long 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 is on form yeah, today. Long Long、um, is on form. I think. I, the 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 thing that helped me most in the last ten years is it's not probably a quote. It's just a random sentence I read from an autobiography by Stephen Fry. I think he said, "Wanting to be liked is a very unlikable characteristic," and that that is a big epiphany, and then that, that's a seismic word for for me because in my twenties, I always. Like、um, I'm, I, I used to be a very egotistic guy. I mean, talking only about myself. I'm not impressed. I want to do this, and that's the thing that、um, I keep kept reminding me after realizing how annoying this kind of person is. I think, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, so that helped. Who gave you that wake up call, though? Like, did you realize one day? Wait, the person. Oh well. Not even listening. I'm glad you did. You didn't meet. Me like before, well, <laughs> that that phase of my life, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, who gave me that wake up call? Um, good. Um, I think it's gradual change, but but I can tell clearly it was bef-、uh, around the age of twenty nine and thirty. I think um, yeah, after I like、uh, stopped my um theater job and the travel abroad and study the new subject that really. Yeah, yeah, that really helped me view the world from、yeah. a di- different angle. Well, if it's if it's any consolation, I thought the same of Long Long. I thought she was autistic too, and then I realized it wasn't. She was just being narcissistic. Cue, no one laughs. laughs. Only Dan laughs at his own jokes. And if that's not a quote,、no. there's a thing. There's another sentence I like. It's not a quote again. It's just an. Common say that grass is greener on the other side.、Mm-hmm. It, people use it as a negative, like a slightly, like mildly negative term for like you always want to try something new. But、um, I view that as something. It, it's a it's it's something that I keep reminding myself that、um, do not、um, try things that、um, that you think. Anyway, try something unusual. When when you when you insert a CD when you open the book 
do not give yourself preoccupation that this is the thing I wouldn't like. You just always like like keep it open minded, uncluttered minded. I think that's something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a very big yeah. advocate of that as well. Actually, that approach to life. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think funny. I think yeah. you're lucky if you slowly learn more about yourself. I think it's a it's a in many aspects it's a it's a privilege because many people, you know, they're so busy with worrying about more basic necessities and they don't have time to learn from an internal growth perspective. So I think it's a privilege to realize how yourself have has like have grown um True. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and both pleasing and annoying the fact that I spent at least 20 years to be uh, where I am now. But um Jacqueline you are in your mid 20s, right? And you, we're on the same page, same wavelength. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm no, don't really worry. Am- she's gonna, she's gonna crash. I'm really ambitious. I'm so really ambitious. That, that'll at least take five, six years out of her. I'm not. That, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm hoping anyway. I'm hoping it does. <laughs> right. Number five. Your favorite local Shanghainese dish. Now, Long Long's yeah. really awake now. Ah. Uh, the fried spring roll. It had the. I love the crispy part and also the steamed vegetable and the meat inside and that's one of the favorite that okay. yeah okay but you have the thing in in vietnamese cuisine but i think shanghai's version is better because we have more savory thing stuffed inside okay next one you love exploring different cultures and language which culture and language would you like to explore next spanish um, because okay. I recently discovered this, um, this trend, this Spanish indie pop movement in the early, like twenty first century. I'm really fascinated by the, the quality, and uh, the diversity of it. And um, because it's relatively easy to understand, to be able to read, comprehend. If you re- open the lyric book, you at least understand thirty, forty percent of it. Because some of the words you you've you've like uh, like uh, seen elsewhere in the English media, so so I think that gave me a strong incentive and motive to uh, also in developing these kind of musics. I've got to know some really nice, they're fascinating people, like the musicians in the country. So and and also it's it's a language and a culture. Like uh, widely spread across the world, and not just Spain, but also Southern America, Latin America. So I think it's very practical to, if I were to pick up a language, another language, and that would be the one. I'm actually, yeah, I'm starting already. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck on that one. Next one, and this was uh, this was a question asked by our mutual friend Dave. Uh, oh, but wow. if you were on a desert island and yeah. only had one CD. You could take, which one uh, would it be? Yeah, I, I remember that part of your 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 episode with him. Um, it has to be instrumental because I can't imagine myself listening to the lyrics repeating every day, even if it's one of the best, like really well written. I think um, it can't be very melodic. 
otherwise it would be corny and cheesy. I think Keith Jarrett's the the Colin concert. He's a he's a jazz pianist, famous of、uh, um like a spontaneous play. Like he doesn't have any music score in front of him. He just play with the motive. Like probably by the moment he went up to the stage, he has a motive in his mind. Every live concert he recorded are different, and that was one of the best. And it has it's forty five minutes long. And so many emotions and、um, layers, and、um, yeah, so sophisticated. It's both entertaining and also you can interpret it in very different layers. So I can never be tired of it. At least you listen to it every now and then. Okay.、Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that ends the podcast.、Um, Already? That was. Yeah, that is the、yeah. first podcast. Yeah, like <laughs> that's、okay. that's been an hour already. <laughs>、um, okay. Over an hour. So,、yeah. well, I think what's really apparent, at least I think, is you're a very deep thinker and very sensitive to much, you know, a lot of stimulus. So、Thank、it's、you. been a real pleasure to talk to you and hear your take on on things.、Um, I'm glad we have another episode where we can talk about the watches.、Um, but yeah,、mm-hmm. thank you for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to the next one then. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to the waiting list podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at the waiting list podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.